this morning, if you'll turn in the Bible to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We will be there. We're going to look at several different verses, beginning in verse 8 here in just a few moments. The last couple weeks, we've explored this sermon series, Home for Christmas. And we've talked about leaving home for Christmas and how Jesus left his home uh, to provide a home for us. We talked about going home for Christmas, how Mary and Joseph went home. And even though it was undesirable situation and circumstances that caused them to go home and probably the worst timing, there was an anticipation of Jesus coming and all that went along with that. We never have one recorded moment of, of a complaint on behalf of, of Mary or Joseph. We talked last week about getting home just in time for Christmas and how God is our everlasting Father. And today, I want to talk to you about being at home in unexpected places. Being at home in unexpected places. You can follow along in your Bible. You can take notes on the back of your worship guide. Or if you have a smartphone or tablet device, you can follow along with us on the YouVersion app. It should be a live event for us today. Uh, we've been talking about home during this Christmas season, and there's a lot of connotations and a lot of images that come to mind. For just a moment, just to do an exercise together, I want you just to close your eyes. Just go to that happy place. And I want you to think about the emotion and the sentiment that comes to mind when I say these different phrases. The first is, home for the holidays. There's some smiles on some faces across the room. Home sweet home. Home cooking. Mm-hmm, now I'm making you hungry. Someone brought me some enchiladas today. I'm going to eat them, and that's going to be good. Home cooking when I get home. Home on the range. Going home. Lots of different emotions and thoughts that come to mind with that. Home is where your heart is. Today, you can open your eyes. We're going to finish this sermon series with the final text from the Christmas story. And it's one that doesn't get preached a lot. Doesn't get really get thought about a lot. It's understandable because the first part of the story is angelic. It's musical. It features animals. It's just happy. We're, we get excited about it. But the second part that we're going to read today isn't so warm and cozy. Um, I have a late Christmas gift that I want to give out today to help me illustrate this message. And let's see. I think this one would be perfect. I'm going to give Brian, you're, you've been playing bass here for two services most weeks. I'm going to give you a gift. Go ahead and open that up and uh, tell us what you got. Well, let me tell you, apparently that relish was really good because someone really liked it. And a, a used battery. That's awesome. Uh, Merry Christmas. I'm glad I could, could do that for you and splurge to get you something. I didn't want to let the year pass without, without doing something. So uh, has anyone ever received a gift that left you underwhelmed and speechless, and speechless for all the wrong reasons, right? Brian, I feel bad. Here, here's a candy cane. Don't say I never gave you nothing good. That, I haven't even licked that one once. I'm not talking about a gift that wasn't just your style, but I'm talking about a gift that really makes you say, what is going on? These, these kind of gifts are unexpected, to say the least. They're almost cruel, and they make you think, why would someone give this to me? It makes you question the heart and the goodness of the giver of the gift. I want you to check out this video with some classic reactions to some gifts. And hopefully this isn't from your Christmas uh, morning this year. Check this out. 
What is it? I don't want it. What's wrong? struggles that God was working through it all and he had his hand on them. 
I want you to see four unexpected places that Jesus makes his home. And these are really places and circumstances that are not ones that you and I would choose, not ones that Mary and Joseph would have chosen. And yet Jesus walks through these challenges and experiences. And the great thing for us is that no matter where we find ourselves at the end of 2019, and no matter what we experience in 2020, Jesus has been there. We have a Savior who can relate to the challenges and the struggles and the difficulties and the problems that we face. And I don't know what lies ahead for you and for me in 2020, but I know that if we hold fast on our faith in the Lord, he will lead us and go with us. So we're in Matthew chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, Herod sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Yeah, right. After that, had, uh, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Jesus' first home that we find was in Bethlehem. And it was an unsettled home. Often we think about the birth of Jesus and the nativity scene, and we think of it as a revolving door uh, and, and shepherds and wise men, all this taking place in a barn outside of a hotel where animals would be kept. In reality, this was more likely a cave that was more of a basement, an unfinished basement below the family home of Joseph. And yes, this is a place where animals would, would occasionally be kept for their protection. you gotta, you got to remember in, in this day, animals were very expensive. And this, this would represent a person's, oftentimes their life savings or something that was, that was very precious to them. And so they wanted to, to value that and to keep it protected. And so they would keep oftentimes their animals in this basement part of their home. And the reality is that while the shepherds may have visited there at this place, the wise men probably didn't visit Jesus as a newborn baby still in the manger. As we read this morning, it says they came into the house and they saw the child. And scholars have suggested because of the slow travel time of this day and the fact that they're following a star and they didn't know exactly where they were going and, and what, where Jesus was going to be, that it could have been possibly even a year or maybe more after Jesus' birth that these wise men show up. Now remember that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem because of the census that the government was taking. And we all know how slow and complicated the government bureaucracy can be. But surely it didn't take a year to complete a census, right? We don't have all the details about what happened during this time and why Mary and Joseph seemingly lingered in Bethlehem and, and didn't return to their homes and, and the place they had met. Maybe it was because of the reputation of having a child outside of the marriage relationship that caused them just to choose a new home. Maybe Joseph suggested that his family, Mary's in-laws, could help with the baby. And she was probably thinking, yeah, right, these are the same in-laws that made me give birth in the, the unfinished cave basement below the house. Some help, they are great people, right? Maybe you have some in-laws like that. And you're just thanking God that Christmas is over. We don't know. But this was likely an unsettled place for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, a place that didn't feel like home to Mary at least. There's probably some people here that as your year ends and a new one begins, you have this feeling of being unsettled. Maybe it's because you're in an in-between stage 
or you're unable to go back to what's comfortable and familiar, you're unsure of exactly what's next, you feel stuck in a place that maybe you never really wanted to be, at least for not long as you've been there. Maybe this is a physical reality, or maybe it's an emotional one or a spiritual one. Some of you are at home in a place that's unsettled. Jesus has been there. The second unexpected home that we find Jesus in is in Egypt. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 16, the next few verses says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity who were two years old and under. Have you ever felt the feeling of things being less than perfect or less than an ideal, but then they go from that to downright terrible? Like you feel like maybe things couldn't get worse and then all of a sudden it gets worse. I can't imagine the feeling of waking up in the middle of the night to a message from an angel that says, get up right now and run for your lives because they're coming to kill your newborn baby. This would have been much longer of a trip than the one that they originally took to Bethlehem, the 70-mile trip, in much less friendly and much less hospitable terrain. <coughs> Mary and Joseph and Jesus fled under the cover of night for their lives. Not only did this mean that they would have to flee from danger, but they would be going to another place, an unfamiliar place, a very foreign place, and one that for the Jewish people represented bondage and slavery. I mean, just imagine the stories that we read in the Old Testament of the children of, of Israel in Egypt in slavery and all that they went through to be free from that and to escape from Pharaoh's rule and now having to run there for their lives to a place of bondage and slavery. We don't know very much about the time that Mary and Joseph and Jesus spent in Egypt. We don't know how long it was. We don't know where they lived. We don't know what they did. Was Joseph able to find a hammer and practice the carpentry that was his trade and provide for his family? We don't know. We don't know the details. We know that they were in an unfamiliar home. They had a strange experience like living in a different country and one whose people and culture don't think too kindly of your own. But we do know that God had his hand on Mary and Joseph and Jesus during this time, and they were not forgotten about. Many of you know that I lived and grew up overseas. And I lived in Costa Rica for a year, and then I lived in Central West Africa for several years. And I can remember the strange feeling when I first moved overseas and first came to live in Central West Africa. I can remember miscommunications and misunderstandings, language barriers, and all those kinds of things as we were learning. And uh, we, we, we moved to West Africa. It was a different culture. There were different values. I can remember after living in Africa for years that there were some experiences of, of just some strange things when we went there, things that just blew my mind. I couldn't understand. But then I also remember some of those same kind of experiences moving back to America after having been gone for several years. And I remember one time, I remember my sister who was seven when we moved overseas and about 11 the first time that we came back to the U.S. And she went into a gas station. We were all waiting in the car and she just went in to, to get something, to buy something small. 
And, um, and she went in the gas station and got into an argument with a store clerk, and she came out without buying the item that she went in for. And she came to the car and said that we needed to go to a different store because that one was trying to cheat her and steal from her. And we were like, what, what happened? What in the world are you talking about? She said, well, the item clearly said that it was 99 cents on it, but the register, when I got to the register, the clerk tried to sell it to me for $1.07, and I caught him, and, try, and he tried to tell me it was because there's something called tax. <laughs> Could you believe he would try to cheat me in that way? My sister had grown up overseas where there wasn't such a thing as a sales tax that was added to an item, but she was convinced that she was being cheated. For my sister, she was in an unfamiliar place, and even though it was really her home, she, uh, she, she, she didn't understand the culture because she hadn't lived in it. The Bible doesn't tell us all the details about Mary and Joseph, but I can imagine how out of place and strange Egypt must have felt to them. The feeling of being a fugitive and living in fear and the inability to go home. It's likely that not many of us are running from the law, although this is Laramie, Wyoming, and that was kind of a thing around here, so maybe you guys are. I don't know. <laughs> you may not be in a foreign country today, but maybe you have a feeling of just not being in a familiar place. Maybe you're in a place of fear and wondering if you'll ever be able to return to a place of peace and familiarity. Maybe 2019 brought painful experiences that have changed your life and not for the better. I want you to know that Jesus identifies with the weak and the vulnerable and those caught in dangerous situations. He cares about and can relate to those who are hurting as a result of situations out of their control. And just as God had his hands on Mary and Joseph and Jesus, God cares about you and he has his hand on your life. The next unexpected turn led Jesus to his third home, and that was in Judea. It was also an uncertain home. Matthew 2, 19 through 21 says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. So here we have God appearing to Joseph in a dream, and he told him, okay, it's safe to go back to Judea, back to where Jesus had been born. We're not sure. It's not clear if, if he was talking about Bethlehem or, or Jerusalem. It's not a large area, but he tells him to go back to Judea, to the region that they had, they had left from, and the intent seems to bring them back to where they had, had fled from. But it's unclear exactly where, where the instruction was. It wasn't a clear direction. But this was a short-lived home. And, and not long after their arrival, they encountered that there was a new ruler who was not much better than the last. In fact, the son of, of Herod. And, and uh, he was on the throne. And, and him and his father were referred to in history as big poison and little poison. The son being as cruel and as tyrannical as the other. Joseph likely returned to find the political climate to be not much improved from when he'd left. He probably wondered, why did God bring us back into this situation? Did he really speak to me? Did I really hear God or did I somehow miss what God was trying to speak to me? We don't know how long they stayed in this in-between time, but it's, it's unclear and it doesn't seem like it was very long. We don't even know if they unpacked their bags. We don't know the exact timeline. Don't we all face these kind of uncertainties? Did I really hear God correctly? If this is God's will, then why isn't it all 
Smooth sailing. Why would God lead my family into a dangerous situation? Where is God when there's injustice and ungodly leadership in the world? Where is God when politics seem to be out of control in our world? Maybe you're in a place today where you've had uncertain experiences in 2019 that have caused you to ask God why. They've brought you to a place that much like Mary and Joseph, maybe you're wondering if you'll ever be able to have a normal again. Will you ever have peace? It's been one thing after another after another. So we look at the story, we see that there's multiple prophecies that are being fulfilled and things that are happening. We don't even know if Mary and Joseph realized all these things at the time, but you can read through Matthew chapter 2 and you can see time and time again that it says, and this fulfilled what was written, that Jesus would come out of Egypt. This fulfills what God had said over and over and over again, these things that are happening, that God's word is being fulfilled. God was working and he was moving behind the scenes. He was orchestrating the details. He was preparing Mary and Joseph and Jesus in every step of the way and through every detail. And similarly, even though we can't see it, God is at work in the details of our lives. He's orchestrating the, the, the intricate parts, the details that we can't see, possibly in ways that we would not choose for ourselves. But I challenge you to trust God and listen to his leading and direction as we step into the new year. The incredible thing is that we don't find Joseph questioning God. We don't find him refusing to obey God. We find time and time again that Joseph hears that Mary hears, that they follow the word of the Lord, that they trust God's leading, and God has them every step of the way. The final unexpected home that we see as a part of Jesus' upbringing is Nazareth. And this is an undesirable home. Matthew 2, 22-23 says that having been warned in a dream, again, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. The probability of all the things that were prophesied about Jesus happening in one person is unreal. How could someone come out of Egypt, be born in Bethlehem, be called a Nazarene? These seem almost conflicting, but Jesus fulfilled them all. All these things that were spoken about who the Messiah would be, it was clear that God wanted there to be no mistake that not any person could fulfill the, the, the requirements for becoming the Messiah. It was going to require very unique set of circumstances, and Jesus fulfilled them all. Probably 25 years of Jesus' life was spent in this town of Nazareth. Probably four years were spent between Bethlehem and Egypt and Judea. And now he's back to Nazareth, and when Jesus enters his public ministry at age 30, we see that he spent the majority of his life in Nazareth. But one thing that can be clearly said about Jesus' Nazareth upbringing is that this was a town that was despised. We see later on in the Gospels that Nathaniel, a would-be disciple of Jesus, first meets Jesus and learns of his hometown, and he spoke the common sentiment of the day regarding Nazareth, and he said, Nazareth, can anything good come out of there? Some people in Laramie might say the same thing about Cheyenne, and they say the same thing about us, I don't know. But if you Google search the least desirable places to live in Wyoming, Laramie isn't on the top ten list. Just so you know, Laramie didn't make the list. But you repeatedly see on these lists places like Evansville and Riverton. I don't know what's going on down in those places, up in those places. Uh, if you do a search for the least desirable states to live in, Wyoming isn't the top, but it does sometimes make the top ten list. 
Nazareth wasn't just the wrong side of the tracks or a bad part of town. While Jerusalem was an ethnic and a religious pure area, Nazareth was a non-kosher melting pot of diversity that had some Jews mixed with Romans and Gentile populations. So the fact that Jesus was from Nazareth accentuated that Jesus was not from a dignified background. He wasn't from the right school. He wasn't from the right political group or, or some kind of religious correct upbringing. He was just an ordinary person from a place that maybe no one wanted to be from, or maybe it was a good place to be from, but not to be. Maybe this is where Jesus connects with you and you identify with him. Maybe you feel this way in your life. Maybe you're from a small rural town. You didn't have access to the right school or you didn't pursue the right vocation or whatever it may feel like that you lack. Maybe you feel stuck in a place that seems like the last place on earth that you would want to be. My question for you is where is home for you now? I'm not talking about your street address. As the year comes to a close, maybe you can relate to one of these sentiments that we've talked about today. Maybe you find yourself at the end of the year in a place that you never thought you would be. Maybe geographically, maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally. Maybe home is an unexpected place for you right now. You feel unsettled or unfamiliar or uncertain or in an undesirable place. Family configurations maybe have changed. Kids maybe have moved out. An aging house that needs some work and maybe the same for the people inside. Uncertainty because of employment or, or financial stress. The clock keeps ticking, but you feel like you have no control over the direction of your life. I want to encourage you today that Jesus has been to every one of these places. He understands and can relate. We don't have a Savior and a Lord that's not able to relate to us in our struggles. A person that faced all these struggles as well that wrote about them as David, the psalmist. And he wrote in Psalm 84, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist takes it a step further in chapter 90. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. In a span of less than five years, Jesus knew a home in four different places. An unexpected home, an undesirable home, uncomfortable home, surprising places. But those were things that didn't matter because his true home wasn't here. It was in dwelling with his father. At age 12, when Jesus was found in the temple, instead of being with his family where he was supposed to have been, his response was, don't you know that I had to be about my father's house and about his business in his house? Later on, when calling disciples, he let them know. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus wasn't focused on a home of this world or the life that he had on earth. Now, he had a purpose and a mission. He had an assignment like all of us have a purpose and a mission and an assignment, but he didn't allow himself to get weighed down and distracted by the things that don't have eternal value. He didn't allow himself to become discouraged by things that really don't matter anyways. He wasn't over, overly focused on the physical things. When I think about this place, New Life Church, it's been a place 
of incredible meeting of the presence of God. It's been a spiritual home. God has done some amazing things in and among us, and yet it's not this place. It's not this place at all. This is just a building. It's had many purposes. It's been a nightclub. All kinds of shady stuff happened out here. They said they put it outside of town because they wanted to be able to do whatever nonsense they wanted to do without anyone looking over their shoulder. How's that? Who knows if at the end of 2020, if we're even still in this place or a temporary place or what God had had in store for us. I don't know. The truth remains, there's nothing like his presence. And the God that's met us here so many times doesn't dwell in a building built by hands of men. He lives in our hearts. He desires to go with us to each of those places. To whatever place that he would lead us to, to whatever place that we find ourselves in in 2019 as we come to the end, as we begin 2020, to the places that we'll go that we have no intentions of going now, but we'll find ourselves in moving forward. We ourselves are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. If we focus less on the circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in and more on the presence of God that's with us no matter where we are, then we're going to be able to say, Lord Almighty, I'm blessed because I trust in you. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. I don't know what your 2019 has looked like. And I don't know what kind of 2020 that you're walking into, but I can tell you that it doesn't matter if you're walking in God's presence and you're growing in your relationship with him and you're allowing God to lead you. You're less focused on temporary things and more focused on eternal things that really matter. You may not like every step of the path. You may not have chosen that path for yourself, but just trust that he loves you and he has the perfect plan for your life and he's directing your life and if you allow him to lead you, he will lead you and you won't be forgotten and he'll have his hand upon your life every step of the way and you'll be able to look back and say, God was moving in ways that I couldn't even imagine, moving in ways that I didn't know at the time. He was fulfilling his word in ways that I couldn't see when I was walking through it. How do you do it? How do you refocus? How do you allow God to lead you? I want to encourage you with just a couple of things. And these are simple things that we all know, but these are good reminders for us as we move forward. What you feed grows. Whatever you feed grows. Look at me. Whatever you starve dies. What are you feeding? What have you been feeding throughout the course of 2019? What are you feeding as you step into a new year? That's what's going to thrive in your life. That's what's going to grow in your life is the things that you're feeding. The Bible says, what you seek, you will find. Are you going after God? Are you seeking God? Are you feeding the things of, your God, of, of God in your life? Are you feeding the spiritual areas of your life? so that they will grow or are those areas that are starving in your life? 
Bible says you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. As we walk out of 2019, I don't know what your time in God's word and prayer have been, but just like any discipline that we want to develop, time in God's word, time in prayer are essential for you to grow in your relationship with him. You want to hear the word of God? I hear a lot of people, I just don't hear God. I don't hear God. Well, what are you doing to hear God? If you want to hear God, read his word. Start there. Because he speaks through it. Spend time in prayer. Spend time listening. Find someone. This is a personal thing. Prayer and time in God's word is a personal thing. But find someone that will hold you accountable to that. That will ask you those hard questions. Are you, are you spending that time? In God's word, are you spending the time in prayer? Just like any habit that you want to develop, if you want to go to the gym, you're going to find all kinds of ways that you're going to need to find accountability. You're going to need to find some motivation. You're going to need to find some things that are going to encourage you to make it easy in your life for that to happen. And the same thing happens with spiritual habits in your life. You've got to be consistent in time in God's word and in prayer. You've got to frequently spend time in God's house with other believers. Who are you surrounding yourself with? You're here today on a cold Sunday morning. I'm probably preaching to the choir on this one, but I want to encourage you as you walk into 2020 not to stop, not to, to, to back off, not to, to allow other things to become a priority in your life, but continue to prioritize time in God's house. Yes, he's, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us, but there's something that happens when we come together, when we're surrounded by other believers that encourage us and our faith is fed and it grows. Spend time in God's house. Are you honoring God first in your life with your time and your talent and your treasure? If you carve up the time that you have in a day, 24 hours, where does the majority of that time go? Maybe take just your disposable time to take the time that you have that you can control outside of your job, outside of sleep, and where does that go? Is it Netflix? Is it TV? Is it football? What is it that wins in your life? Maybe as you walk into 2020, it's time to reprioritize some of that extra time and where it's spent. God's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you ways that you can serve and things that you can do. How are you using that talent for God's glory? He's, he's entrusted you with treasure, we all have time, talent, and treasure. Are you honoring God and putting Him first with what He's blessed you with, trusting that God is your provider and that He's going to honor your faithfulness? Are you regularly serving in some capacity of ministry inside or outside of the church? I believe that all of us are called to ministry. God has a plan for each of us to serve somewhere in some way. Some may be inside the church, some may be outside the church, but God is calling you to serve in ministry in some capacity, to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing in your life, and there's nothing that will cause your faith to grow like serving other people and living out your faith. I encourage you to do that. Setting aside occasional times to withdraw and focus on hearing God. We need the daily times. Those may be short times. I encourage you, if, you're, if you've not spent any time in 2019 in prayer and Bible reading, start with five minutes. Start with five minutes a day. You don't have to wait till January 1st. You can start today. You can end 2019 strong and begin 2020 with some habits that are forming. Start with five minutes if you've done nothing. If you're already doing five minutes, grow to 10. 
Maybe one day it becomes 30 minutes a day, but you're not going to have probably much more time than that on a regular basis. But then in addition to that, set aside some times where you can withdraw from everything and focus on hearing from God. Jesus himself did it. He withdrew from the crowds. He withdrew from ministry. He withdrew even from his disciples and those closest to him. He withdrew to spend time with God. And I encourage you to find times that you can withdraw and focus on hearing from God. Final thing is spend some time in prayer and fasting. Some, some focused prayer and fasting. Not just thank you God for this day as I fall asleep today. Bless all the little children. Sometimes we have prayers that are quick. Spend some focused time in prayer for specific issues. Some time in fasting. What is fasting? If you've never done it, I encourage you to read what the Bible says. There's scriptures in Isaiah about fasting, about what it is. You can do some study on that. It doesn't take long to, to realize what it is. It really goes back to this issue of what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And sometimes you can feed things without having any food involved. Sometimes you say, I want to be so hungry for the things of God. I want to be hungry to see God move in my life that I'm going to say no to the things that I've become dependent upon that I've become so focused on that I've looked to for my sustenance. Instead, I want to change my focus from looking to food or looking to soda or looking to caffeine or looking to all these sugary things for my sustenance to give me energy and strength. And I want to focus all of my attention on God. And I want to look to Him and depend on Him for every breath that I take. Different people are in different places. Physically, don't do anything crazy. Consult your doctor if you plan to do some kind of extended fast, but everybody can take a meal or take one item from a meal and say, you know what, today, instead of spending $10 at Arby's or McDonald's or wherever your place is that you like to go, I'm not gonna eat today. I wanna be hungry for the things of God. I'm gonna spend that 30 minutes that I would have spent on lunch and I'm going to spend that extra time in prayer and reading God's word and hearing from him. And there's something that happens. There's something that breaks the chains of the enemy in, in ways that nothing else will do than when we put aside intentional time to pray and fast and seek the Lord. We're going to give you an opportunity at the beginning of this year, starting next Sunday. It's the 5th of January. For 21 days, we're going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting. These sheets, you can find them on the back table as you go out today. There's a top portion that you can keep for yourself. You can take it for a week and bring it back next Sunday, however you want to do. We're going to put together a chart that we want to see. We have a couple of goals that we want to see for our church as we walk into 2020. One of those is we want to have one person praying and fasting at least for each of the 21 days. So we we're asking that you fill out the bottom portion. Let us know. What are some times, what are some days, what are some meals that you want to fast with us in 2020 to see God move in your life, to see God move in the church? Maybe you can fast on one day and you say, okay, January 15th, I'm going to fast lunch that day. Just write down, I'm going to fast lunch on January 15th. Maybe you say, I want to do every Wednesday. I can do breakfast every Wednesday or I can do lunch every Wednesday. So you write down those three days. Maybe you want to do a week-long fast. Once again, you know what you're able to do. I'm not encouraging you to do anything that's unhealthy. Pray about this. Take this one with you. Ask God, God, what would you have me to do? And what this is going to do is from January 5th to January 25th, we're going to set aside time as a church 
to pray and seek the Lord. We're going to have some special prayer times here at the church during the course of those 21 days. For the first six days, we're going to have prayer every evening here at the church. And then over the course of the, the rest of the 21 days, we'll have some different prayer times. There's some prayer times that you can take advantage of in town, at the prayer room, in different places here. We're going to make a whole schedule and have that available for you online and by email and here next Sunday. We want to encourage you to set aside these 21 days, at least part of the time, at the beginning of the year to say, God, I want to starve the things that need to die in my life. I want to feed the things that I want to see grow in my life. I want to begin 2020 with a focus on all that you have for me. And I believe we're going to see God do some incredible things in our lives. And at the end of these 21 days, we're going to, we're going to break our fast with the Men's Beast Feast event that's going to happen here. It's going to be awesome. So probably don't fast 21 days and then come to the Beast Feast. You may want to taper back into it. But we're going to have an event here for men. Churches all over the community are going to gather together, the men, and be here. We have Evangelist Kyle and Bree that's going to be here for the Beast Feast that night. And then the next morning, we're having some special services with the Evangelist Kyle and Bree. It's going to be powerful. Many of you were here last year when we had Jamie Montera come and start off our year after our time of prayer and fasting. It's powerful. When you seek the Lord, when you, when you set aside time, he says, if you seek me, You'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. We're going to do that. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We're going to do that. And then we're going to have our evangelists come. And we're going to just believe God to do some incredible things. And that's Sunday morning, the 26th. And that's Sunday night. We're going to have some special services focused solely on going after more of God in our lives in a greater way in 2020. And I encourage you to be here and be a part of it. What I want us to do right now, I want us just to take a moment. We've got a few minutes. I want us just to hear from the Lord. I'm going to invite you to stand with me all over this place. I'm going to invite you, if you feel so led, to come forward, find a place of prayer at an altar. This is our last service of 2019. It's not the last opportunity that you have to spend some time with the Lord. You still have several days, and you still can spend some time but there is something that happens when we do it together, when we come together. So I encourage you, if you want to come find a place at this altar, if you want to come to the front and just stand and seek after the Lord, if you want to just spend some time where you are, would you, would you listen to what God would have for you? Would you sincerely ask the Lord right now, God, what is it in my life in 2019 that I need to leave behind in this year? And what is it that I need to feed going into the new year that you want to see grow in my life? God, the struggles that I've been through, the, the home and the unsettled places and the unfamiliar places and the uncertain places and the undesirable places, are these things that are a result of my own feeding, of my own consequences of my actions? Or God, are you doing a work in my life? Lord, teach me to trust you through each place that I find myself. Come on, let's just spend a few minutes going after the Lord. Spend, just, just talk to him like you'd talk to any other person. God, what is it you have for me? What do I need to leave behind? Come and find a place at these altars or come find a place, stand up front, or maybe you want to turn to the person next to you and ask them if they would like you to pray for them. Let's just spend a few minutes. Let's turn this entire room into an altar for the next few minutes and allow God to do what he desires to do.